colorful ones. We're back again with another episode of Colorful Lives presented by State Farm to help you increase your financial IQ and to bring your career, business, and life to the next level. Well, this time we are talking all about relationship finances. And that means deciding whether you should share or split finances with your spouse. Also, the questions you need to ask your partner or maybe questions you want to avoid. And also ways to help track and manage household spending. And of course, we're going to talk about the most important relationship of them all, you and your own money. A little bit later in the episode, we'll also hear from two experts in love and money, Talat and Ty McNeely from His and Her Money blog and podcast, who wrote the book on how to communicate about money with your significant other. All right. Well, since this week is all about relationships, let's start where most romantic relationships begin. Dating. Mm-hmm. Da- dating, mm-hmm. and, mm, dating and money. <laughs> dating costs. I know people who are like, listen, I can't date anybody right now because I don't have any money. That's me. <laughs> people really can't, feel like that. I can't date anybody right now. I'm like working on my money. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there a set amount that needs to be spent for a date in order for it to be considered a date? I mean, what do you think? I personally do not think so. I think I don't think that a date is about how much money it is. But also, I do recognize that in society, going on a traditional date is like considered a nice dinner or maybe a movie. You know, like there there are these scenarios that we call date scenarios, and people like to use money to communicate like how much they're into. Right, like you got to plan something at some extravagant, expensive restaurant. But some of the best dates I do believe are thoughtful dates. Exactly. Also, I think that for a date to be a date, you need to call it a date. Like right. That's what makes something a date. Hey, I would like to take you on a date. Exactly. Because some people are like, hey, you want to hang out? That's not a date. Yeah, and I, like, personally, I don't like dinner dates. Like, I don't like going out to eat with someone as, uh, I'm like, that's not quality time. Hold on, I enjoy that now. I mean, I'm going to have to disagree. No, I mean, like, it's... I love going out to dinner because I like to sit, especially if I like your company, I'll sit there and talk to you for, like, three hours in a restaurant. I'm going to walk it back. I like going out (laughs) dinner dates (laughs) with people that I'm already very comfortable with. I don't like... Um, eating as a way of getting to know someone. So That's how, just like a preference. So what would you do to get to know someone? Um, I like to do things. I like to do activities. See, I feel more comfortable doing activities when I know you. Yeah, I and again, it's like just when like we've been personal. Dating, and that's funny because we're the opposite. I know it's just personal preferences, right? But that's all the stuff that you need to negotiate. The other thing about negotiate. I think I think the thing about <laughs> dating that's like very weird is that if your first date or like the first couple of dates that you have with someone. You know, like, that's kind of how you paint the picture of who you are and what the relationship is going to be. If that's not, like, somewhat close to what, like, the day-to-day of your real relationship is going to be, then it becomes, like, a huge problem, right? So it's like if somebody takes you on this, like, oh, my God, here's the $1,000 dinner or whatever. Whoa. Um, yeah, that was a little crazy. Um, let's go with the Twitter date. The $200 dinner there we go. <laughs> equivalent. But then, like, you can't sustain that kind of lifestyle then you'll always be looking at the like first date as the like this was the bar that we cleared for our relationship. Yeah, this is just a step one. It exactly. only goes uphill from here. <laughs> but I do think there's something to be said for guys trying to impress you on a first date to show how you know they put a lot of effort into that. And so I do feel like once you get more comfortable, you don't have to do those things anymore. Once we're like for real dating, you know, you should do them every now and then. Okay, but. How do you feel about going Dutch on a date? Not on a first date. If you asked me on a date and you're taking me out, then I don't think we should be going Dutch. Have you ever asked anybody out or do you always expect? No, I've never asked anyone out. (laughs) (laughs) So you're always paying for me, basically. (laughs) 
basically. In the beginning. I mean, listen, I do the whole reach for the wallet thing. But I will say that if you let me pay for myself on a first date and you ask me out, I'm going to think that's weird. I have a really, I think it depends. I have a really hard time letting, um, some dates, some first dates I go Dutch on and I can tell that it makes the other person uncomfortable. It should. But yeah, it should. But also I'm like, this is how it is to date me. Um, so you're going to have to get he, he's, used to You're that. supposed to say, I got, no, 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 no. You get the next one. That's exactly. what he's supposed to say. Or sometimes like the way it's like, if I'm trying to not be a difficult person about it and I'm like, I actually really like this person. You know, like a first date turns out to be many, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you'll go to, you'll go to dinner and then you'll go for drinks. And then I'm like, OK, if you bought dinner, like I will buy drinks. Yeah. OK, but, that's fair. You know, so like that's fair. But I'm not what about like, tipping? Because I pay attention to that. I remember I went on a oh, date I can't one date time. bad tippers. Mm-mm. Yes. And his tip was so bad. Let me tell you how bad it was. <laughs> we went on a lunch date. Right. And I was working in the Times Square area at the time. Lunch. That's so controversial. So we go to lunch because he worked, uh, you know, in the same building. Mm-hmm. That's how I knew him. So we go eat and it was a place that I normally go to it's like diner style it wasn't even anything expensive at all I come back there the next time and the person who was uh, who waited on us goes was there something wrong with the service last time because you left a two dollar tip you know how embarrassed I was I was like first of all I'm not the one who left the tip I'm so sorry but I didn't know it was tacky for the the person to bring it up I feel like also because obviously I was with somebody else and whoever mm-hmm. left that. And I've never left a tip like that before. Yeah. But, so they should have known it wasn't me who did it. But but yeah, I yeah, I think that to me, if you are if you tip badly or you're rude to wait staff yeah. or, you know, like just that kind of behavior is an automatic write off. Now, what about coupons on a date? Coupons on a date? I'm not opposed to. I do like. There's something like kind of refreshingly honest about it, you know, <laughs> that's like, OK, like this date is a Groupon. Uh, I went on a date one time with a guy who like told me like straight up. He was like, hey, I like don't have a lot of money. So that's this is going to be so this is going to be a really cheap date. And I was like I, and it ended up being like really fun. We like didn't date for like many reasons that are unrelated to money. But I really appreciated the honesty of it. Mm-hmm. And I also liked that he wasn't embarrassed about like being himself because you know, like, that's good. But at this, you know, like, saying, at the same time, like, saying that, it's like, I can't, like, one thing that's my biggest pet peeve is I can't date cheap people. Right. Like, I'm just like, no. Like, if you're, using, if you're using a coupon or whatever because you're trying to be cheap or you're, like, somebody who, like, doesn't like to spend money, then that's a different story. Now, I'm a very uh, excited by coupons type of person because I love a coupon. Let me tell you, I will coupon use... Coupon queen. Yeah, I will use any type of coupon, any type of discount, anything possible. So I'm not mad at that. Like, mm-hmm. if a guy took me out and had, you know, a coupon, I would be like, cool. Right. And then it's just I like... order an extra drink. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're just being yourself. But also... Okay, so the coupon, the coupon, like, we're cool with. Or let it be, like, restaurant week or something. I'm cool with that, too. Yeah, I'm fine with that. But, you know, but I think that, like, the point of all of this is that even really early on in your relationship, you're confronted by the fact that, like, money is going to be a thing, you right. know? And... And maybe like the real question is, can you date somebody or marry someone eventually where there's like such a huge discrepancy in your See, in now your that's income? a big jump from the first day. <laughs> it's a big jump, right? Yeah. But it's like but the, but these are all the things that you're like that are actually like casually coming into play. Because somebody's financial situation always changes too. That's true. Now what was your best first date? Oh man. Um I go on a lot of first dates, unfortunately. Well what stand, what stands out in your head? <laughs> what stands out in my head um was God. 
now I feel like I'm competing all these men in my in my mind. Oh, like one really good first date that I went on was with uh, somebody. It was on a trip. So it's like I didn't know. I like didn't know the city that we were in really well. And we went to uh, we had a lunch date. We went to lunch and I was like, oh, it's lunch. So he's probably not that super into me. And then uh, we ended up like walking around everywhere for the rest of the day. Like we just like stayed out. Now that's a free all day. day. Love and it. he I mean, no, it's like we paid for things. We like oh. went to museums. But I like I don't know. It's like I got to know like I got to know his city through him. And we I'm a quality time girl. And I was like, OK. This went from, like, a one-hour lunch into, like, a seven-hour, like, all-day, like, type of thing. And I really like that. My first, my best first date was this guy um, took me to eat. But, you know, he lived in New Jersey. And we ended up going to eat at the Jersey. We drove far to, like, the Jersey Shore to some restaurant. It was, like, the tiki bar or something like that on the beach but I thought it was really nice because you know living in Brooklyn is not like you go to the beach ever you know so much so and I love going to the beach so it was just cool like and I know it wasn't super expensive but it was just thoughtful because I was like oh this is no one's ever done that for me before so we went there and then um we sang along to duets in the car and he would see quality time <laughs> didn't last but it was still fun <laughs> um have you ever gone like have you ever dated somebody who was like very very rich like what was that yes like, or like went on an <laughs> extravagant first date with that person but i've never gone on any, i'm not really an extravagant person i'm gonna be honest with you like i'm a very chill like i don't really want to i don't really like super fancy restaurants or anything like that if you ever know like what I like to do if me and my friends are going out to eat I'm gonna go to like a restaurant in Brooklyn mm-hmm. like a Caribbean restaurant or something like that and chill and have a good time and listen to some good music I don't wanna have to get dressed up and go to someplace fancy where someone's playing a piano in a suit I would you know I just in my head that doesn't seem like fun to me yeah. maybe it would be I've never yeah, done it yeah but have you been on one of like a super extravagant date like I somebody like chartered a plane for you no no one's ever chartered a plane <laughs> That's clearly my bar for like what extravagance. I've been flown first class, but no one's ever tried. That's nice. <laughs> That's what about, nice. I'm trying to think. I don't, nothing too crazy. Like I remember, just like the most extravagant thing I've ever done is go to like a steak restaurant. Okay, and I don't eat steak. Um, how? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, don't try to slide out and we'll walk out of this. Well, you know, I was once chartered a plane. Just kidding. I was like, damn, no, I gotta no, step it up. I wish, but now I'm like, anybody who's listening to this who wants to date me, like, get a plane. <laughs> that's your that's your thing. No, I mean, like, I... One of my last relationships was with somebody who made, like, way more money than me. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I'm like, I make good money. I'm, like, comfortable. I You know, like, I always joke that I have the disposable income of, like, a nine-year-old with a rich dad. And, like, <laughs> I can go to Beyonce concerts. Like, right. it's fine. Um, but this person was, like, made way more money than me. And it was so, it was so interesting, like, seeing... And he was very comfortable with it, like all this kind of like access to a new lifestyle that one, I wasn't used to, but also two, it's like fancy things don't impress me mm-hmm. and I don't like them. And so I felt that that was uh, that was like clearly a barrier for us because every time it was like, oh, like 
he's like, this is the best of this thing, or it's like the best of whatever. And I'm like, eh, like you like, okay. Just, I'm like, I I've had just, better. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I would just like like a more quiet. Like it's you know, you're just like, oh, this isn't for me. But the thing about that relationship that was really interesting is that for me, it was the first time that I was like, okay, I actually cannot go Dutch with you. Like, like if you the bill came, uh, exactly. Yeah, I got yeah it's to like, pay. I'm, yeah. But that was the first time that I was like, oh, actually, like this is true. It's like if you pick an activity that is like ridiculous mm -hmm. or like cost too much money and you want to treat me then I'm actually okay with I'm that. I'm down for like, that. I'm like, I'm down for that. Like <laughs> your trip, your problem. <laughs> what do you think is the best uh, relationship advice you ever got? If you had to pay it forward and let people know what's the best relationship advice? Dang, that's hard. I would say for me is to just always communicate. I think sometimes mm -hmm. we expect people to know what's on our mind. And yeah. you know how you'll get like mad, but you won't say why. And yeah. then, you know, it's always the ongoing joke like him. What do you mean about me? Nothing. You know, and you know you're really mad. And he knows you're really mad, but you won't tell him. So it just gets frustrating. And so I always think it's really important that you communicate with each other because no matter what people don't get along all the time there's going to be times that you disagree you have an argument and you have to learn how to have those arguments effectively so that you can resolve them and know how the other person reacts and how you're going to react but it's so important to talk to each other i agree with that i think also just like not being afraid to have hard conversations mm -hmm. you know because you can't always present your whatever you think the your best self is all the time to somebody. You have to be real and you have to be yourself and you have to breathe. And just it's like if you have something on your mind or there's something that annoys you or whatever, it's like this person loves you. They're going to be here for you. You and they want to know the full you. So you have to be yourself. Now, what's the worst relationship advice you ever got? Oof, a lot of that, you? right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get so much bad relationship advice. Um, I think that, like, any kind of advice that's usually, like, trying to keep you in a relationship and makes you feel that, like, if you're alone, like, your failure is bad relationship advice. Oh, my it's God. Like, I've had a, like, okay, I'll tell you things tell that me. people tell me that I, that stand out in my mind in particular. I was dating this guy, and he was always really, like, jealous and possessive over me. Mm -hmm. So he would give me a hard time anytime I was somewhere, if I took a picture with somebody or anything. He was, like, always stalking what I was doing and just, like, always mad about it. And so we would argue, and it would be just really stressful for me. And my friend was like, well, you know, you need to stop doing certain things if he doesn't like it. Yeah, and I was like, wild. I'm doing normal things. I'm hosting a party. I took a picture with someone and he got mad about it. Like, mm -hmm. And so, you know, we got into an argument because one of my friends was like, no, you know, you should stick it out. It's your fault. And I was like, no, I should not stick it out. I was like, first of all, this is what I was doing before I even knew him. Mm -hmm. And this is my life. Like, I work and I host parties and I take pictures and I go to events and people are like, can I take a picture? I'm not going to not do it because he might get mad. Yeah. That's just awful. And so we did end up breaking up. It wasn't a good breakup. But I knew at that moment that even though I tried to, like, work through it, it just wasn't going to work. So me sticking through something like that and uh, dealing with someone's insecurities was just not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I'm so, I'm so overwhelmed. <laughs> no, it's true. Also, people, I think that anytime people try to push you, like if you're a woman, to be the more, uh, the more giving partner, mm -hmm. that's a thing that I never understand. That's like, if you have a fight and then it's like, oh, you should, you should make him feel better or you should, like, I feel like a lot of my aunts are really like that where they're like, Amina. <laughs> You know, like you see like his feet. Right. It's like anytime <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm not seeing this person or whatever. They're like, yeah, you should work harder at this relationship. And I was like, why do you always take the like man side? I do this? believe that relationships are 
work though and that you do have to work really 100%. hard to maintain them and sometimes we have to swallow our pride because it does become a I don't want to say I'm wrong I don't want to apologize in reality a lot of times you can both be wrong but it's, it's but true. nobody ever wants to say sorry or figure out you know it's just really hard sometimes especially when you guys are going back and forth or you let things like build up and fester and then you're just like no, I agree with that. And I think that, like, you know, the it's, like, in the healthiest of relationships, like, everybody is stretched. It's, like, you know, because you come in, you're, like, your own self. Mm-hmm. If you're, like, me and you have, like, a strong personality <laughs> or whatever. It's, like, you learn yeah. you learn how to compromise. You learn how to, like, love somebody in the ways that they want to receive love, not in the way that, like, you like to receive love. So you, like, give. Um But, you know, but at the same time, it's like the background of all of that is that we still have gender expectations, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's um, a lot of people, like, don't understand when, like, women are angry. They're like, why are you angry? It must be that time of the month. (laughs) Or or why aren't you, you know, like, why why don't you? Like, one of the things for me that I think is the biggest deal breaker in relationship is chores. Like, I just, I used to date this guy and uh, we ended up living together <laughs> and he was way messier than me uh, and the thing is that like that my, drives me crazy and my standard is that like I'm OCD clean so it's like I'm not even coming at him from a normal like okay here's what not messy is I'm like I like I have real problems that make <laughs> me like seem like a nut when it comes to cleanliness right and he's just the kind of person where I'm like why didn't you pick that up and he will look at the thing and be like what are you talking about I'm like I'm gonna kill you and <laughs> I'm nobody gonna, I'm gonna kill you and clean, and clean you over that? and clean it so well that nobody will know you were even here but the thing is that like I like I remember that and we would fight about it so much and then finally I was like you know like what we need is we need a cleaning service yes, because right. I am resentful of cleaning up after you. Like, I'm not going to do that for anybody. But also, like, you are, your standard for what is, like, not messy or whatever is different. Also, we can afford it. Mm -hmm. And so we got a cleaning service. And the way that we made it fair is that, like, he paid for the bulk of it. And I was like, that's the, like. Because I'm not just cleaning up after you. Yeah. I'm like, when I, like, can do that. But, you know, but, like, chores are very political because, Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm like, we both go to work and we come back, but somehow, like, I'm the one that's supposed to, like, cook and clean. I'm like, something about this is not right. Oh, you know what's right? cute? So but, my, I like, but I like doing those my things. My boyfriend will cook and I'll clean. That's cool. So we try to, like, split it up or if I, but somehow when I cook, I also clean. But um, <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't like to clean, basically. <laughs> but he will, but he will cook. He just, yeah. But that's stuff that you need to, that's stuff that, like, you either talk he actually about enjoys or, like, it. manifests itself, right? He'll be but like, I'm like, going to yeah. cook for you. I'm like, okay, thank you. I know. I dated this one guy that he cooked every single day. And honestly, I think that's kind of why it took so long to break up with him. You were like, is how me? <laughs> I was like, life can be like this? Every day I would come back from work and there was food. I was like, is this what having a wife is like? This is insane. <laughs> this is my wife. <laughs> this is insane. And I mean, like, and he was terrible for all these other reasons. But there was breakfast and there was dinner every day. That's amazing. We were together and I was like, I can't. I was like, wow. This I, is, I this had a is boyfriend great. who used to bribe me with food. He'd be like, come over and watch football. <laughs> And I wouldn't want to, but he'll be like, I'll cook. And I'd be like, all right, I'll come over. And he would cook and I would eat and fall asleep and not wash at all. (laughs) That's perfect. Do you think you're more comfortable being the breadwinner in a relationship? I don't know that I'm like comfortable. Like, I don't know that it's a part of like, I something that I think about where I'm like, okay, I must make more money than this person. Or do you think that you prefer somebody to make more than you? No, I um <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I guess wow. I must make more. My, my therapist is gonna have a field day with this. No, so I think um, I'm perfectly comfortable being the breadwinner. Um, 
And it's it's not something that intim it's not something that intimidates me, but I know that it changes like the relationship dynamic, right? And when you talk about it. Um, but also I work in an industry where I'm automatically like make more money. So it's like if I date somebody outside of my industry, it's like, well, you have to be comfortable with this because mm-hmm. here's what people in technology make. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all right. That's right. You know, that's an interesting uh, topic because I think it depends, right? First of all, sometimes when you make more money than a guy, at first they're like a little bit like, oh, no, no, I can't. But then they're like, okay. And then next thing you know, they expect something, you know? <laughs> and then next thing you know, it's like, okay, I've been paying all this time. It's time for you to like yeah. put in a little effort because guys get comfortable just like girls, you know, women get comfortable. Guys get very comfortable too, getting taken care of. And then you start feeling like you're getting taken for granted and like, oh, I'm not paying for this no more. Why do I always got to, you know, like one of my friends, she said she knew her marriage was over when it was Mother's Day and he still made her pay the bill because he oh, was yeah. so used to her paying that's, and she was like dude it's mother she <laughs> called me like it's mother's day why am i paying for dinner because he was so used to it because she made a lot more than him and so that's just something to keep in mind for men and for women like you can't take for granted that that person should pay every single time yeah. you know so but i think that point that you made earlier you know in the show is that like people's finances change right so mm-hmm. it's like especially for it's like i think about well, like they should people, change. People who work on, con- like, you know, like somebody like me who works on contract or whatever. It's like, yeah, like some years I'll make, a, like, <laughs> I hope that every year we'll make a lot of money, right? But it's like, um, there are years that you will make less money mm-hmm. or, you know, like the structure of how you get paid changes or all of that stuff. But the thing is that, like, if you are in a relationship with someone, and this is where I guess, like, talking about marriage is, like, <laughs> fraught, right? Because, like, some people, like, I'm like, if you are in a committed relationship with someone and you're committed that, like, this is what you're doing for the long haul, talking about money is different than when you're just dating somebody, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, at that point, you're, like, we're your unit, right? And so it's, like... For me, it's not so much about, like, do I want to date somebody where, like, I'm the breadwinner, who's the breadwinner? I want to date somebody that matches my level of ambition, you know, where I'm like, okay, we're both grinding, we're both working hard, we're, like, like, that's somehow, like, more important to me than the bottom line of, like, how do these checks get signed? Because I think that, like, as you move forward and you're like, this is kind of what we're trying to build together— like that's gonna work out but again like that's different if you're just like dating someone but if you're like we are committed forever that's a different conversation you know what else is really important is to make sure that a guy feel even if you make more than him and you don't need him to do certain things Mm -hmm. to make him feel like you do need him you know, maybe that's the best relationship advice I've ever gotten. <laughs> when, because, you know, when someone so... told me that they were like, you need to make you like people you need to make the people who love you like feel like they need you also. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of times we're so independent. Right. And we can take care of all of our stuff and handle all my bills. And I don't need a man for this. And but guys want to feel like, well, she needs me, you know, and, and we should feel like I will allow myself to need you because that's really I think the best thing is to be a little bit vulnerable in your relationship where you feel comfortable enough that you can say hey you know babe I need your help with something even if it's just emotionally I need to speak to you hey you know I can't ever talk to anybody but you about these things or listen you know I I really really need to speak to you to help me get some clarity like men appreciate that just like I know, as but women, that's different right like if you're like hey I need you emotionally versus like I need you financially but it's okay, and I of course we don't need men financially, but we can be really um, 
I think sometimes like, oh, no, I'm good. I don't need it. Oh, no, I'm good. I don't need it. Oh, let me know if you need anything. You're going on vacation with your girls. Okay, if you need any money, let me know. They want you to be like, all right, cool. I can't handle that, Angela. But that's, <laughs> but what I'm saying is... I literally is, cannot. That's what makes it important. If he offers you something and you accept that, that's like a sign of vulnerability, which means you trust him. And sometimes, like, men want to feel, like, needed. Like, yeah, my girl went away. I gave her a couple of Gs so she could go have a but good time. But what if I want to do that? What if I'm like, oh, you're going away. Here's an envelope full of cash. Treat your boys nice. Like, you see, like, it's... Oh, he ain't going on no boy shit. <laughs> Let's be clear. We know what happens on those. Right? Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think, um, I, like, I see what you're saying, but I think that the thing that's, like, interesting to me about a lot of these conversations about money or whatever is also how heteronormative they are, you Mm -hmm. know? And we're just like, okay, like, man and woman, and this is how these, like, gender dynamics work. But I think that, like, life is a little bit more complicated than that. And then once you start talking about, like, people who are not, like, heteronormative, it's like the the expectations also can be different and the results can be different. So it's like maybe, like, decentering those conversations from just, like, like men need to take care of you or men need to give you money, you know, or whatever. It's like, well, like, but they don't need to, but sometimes they just want to. I know, but I think that that's something that should be interrogated. Right. It's like, what is it about like taking care of somebody like where you get to be the hero? This is how I know that I really am comfortable and love somebody. If Mm -hmm. I will allow you to give me a present. Wow. (laughs) Because if I don't like you and you give me something, I don't want to accept it because I already know that I don't really like you like that. But if I really like you and care about you and love you and you give me something, I'm going to say thank you so much. This means a lot to me. I love it and I'm going to love it. Yeah. No, actually, I agree with you. I think that maybe like the place that we're diverging is that um, and and this (laughs) I feel like I have this conversation with my cousins all the time. It's I'm like, you know, like that that example that you gave about the trip was great. If like I'm going on a trip and some guy is like, hey, I want you to have some guy, a guy you're dating. No, a guy that that I'm dating is like, hey, I want to like. Um, I want you to have a good time and he buys me a Toomey suitcase. I'm like, yes, I'll take this. But if he gives me an envelope full of cash and he's like, have fun with your girlfriends, those are two different things. And, and it, like, and the, the money, like just giving like straight up money is like, I'm telling you that like for me, that's a place that like that's hard to receive. What if he puts it in your account? Okay, that's insane. You will like not know my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's the next level of like uh, I can't handle this. But if you're like, hey, here's a nice suitcase, or um, I got you guys like three nights at this resort, or you uh, know what, what if I mean? he's like, because I've had a guy do this. Here's some money. I want I want you to take your girls out to eat while you guys are away. I'm paying for everybody to eat. Sure. Okay, that's fine. I think that like, it has I to think, be money with a purpose. I, you know, no, I think a that it's, it's the, purpose. Yeah, it's like whatever the transaction feels like, right? Because because you're I, not like an it's escort. My own, you're his girlfriend. I know, but it's my level of comfort, you right? Know, where I'm just but like, if you're his girlfriend, you should be. Com- and that's why you say level of comfort. That's how you know mm-hmm. you're comfortable with somebody. It's true. No, it's true. It's true. Okay, Angela. Last time we talked. We got really vulnerable and we said our goals for the year. <laughs> so this is my We had a little champagne and we we, <laughs> we had got a lot really of honest. <laughs> we had a lot of champagne and we shared our goals for the year. So uh this is our accountability check in. Uh how were well you done, doing I wrote on this down? <laughs> how were you doing on your two million goals that you set forward? Listen, I have everything uh okay, so I have been making some progress and I knew that we would be sitting down to talk about this, so that's part of the reason why. And I knew everyone listening is gonna be like, Oh, she ain't do this, she didn't but she did all of it. No, not hey. <laughs> That's not true. 
<laughs> but I did do my minority minority and women-owned business enterprise certification. Woo! I submitted the form, so I'm just waiting for that to go through. You know, it's a process, but it is all submitted. So that's exciting because that's cool. I do want to open um, more juices for life. So uh, that was the first step for me to get that in order and give myself somewhat of an advantage. Um, I did my library in the juice bar in Juices for Life. You so, put the shelves and everything? I bought a bookshelf, and yes. And I actually have the books in my trunk right now, and I'm going to bring them to the juice bar um, to put them on the shelves. And I'm going to make sure we keep replenishing it. And what I thought was great is that I'm going to ask people that come in. You know how people have books that they want to get rid of in their mm-hmm. house? You know, donate some books to the library. That's cool. As well. But I got it started already with like 100 books. So That's amazing. That'll be fun. And then I have been writing. Also, so I said I wanted to do this short film that I had an idea. It's like a three-part series. So I actually wrote the first part of it, and that's 20 pages. So I did that. See, I did some things. You did a lot of things. And I also set up some meetings with some book publishers because everybody wants me to write a book. So I have three meetings set up. That's okay. I'm really impressed. You've done a lot. All right, now let's get to you. Uh, I have have done nothing. No, that's that's a lie. That's not true. Okay, so here's here's what I did. I like I went home. I hyperventilated a lot. Okay, that wasn't on the goals. That was not one of the goals. I was like, God, we got to get through all of this because now I have an accountability buddy. Um, So the first thing that I did is that I talked to a financial planner about retirement, Mm -hmm. and uh, I made a goal for uh, like basically when I want to retire and how much money that's going to take. It turns out that my plan of Living till eighty two and then dying the next day is not feasible. Okay, good. <laughs> so that's not gonna we work don't want out that for to me. happen. <laughs> but the thing that was really good is that, like, I also the reason that like that conversation was really good is because it also helped me to look really realistically at how much money I made last year, kind of what my own revenue target goals were, and how much of that I can put into retirement. So I opened this thing called a SEP IRA, mm-hmm. which is the uh, it's the IRA for like people who are freelancers, oh. and it's great. It's like you can put up to twenty percent of your income into awesome. into this account and you know like it's pre-tax so that's basically like giving yourself a 20% raise uh, it's incredible and I've started doing that so um, and now it's like set it and forget it so I'm like I didn't even I had never even heard of that before you talked about it so that's amazing woot so like that's done I feel that like you know one day I'm gonna be able to retire <laughs> I'm less scared um, the other thing that was like a goal of mine is that I'm gonna be writing a book this year with my podcast partner and Friedman and so we sat down and we like outlined what our um, what the book was going to be and also started working on our proposal I uh, as soon as I leave today I'm gonna fa- I'm not fact check I'm going to edit my uh the sample chapter mm-hmm. that we're submitting and hopefully the proposal is done so it's like that's that's been a big like weight off of the shoulders that's huge and uh yeah that's like the big step before you get a uh, before like the book deal happens so i'm super excited about that the other thing that has been on my mind is like philanthropy and how i'm gonna spend Basically, like, how I'm going to spend money giving this year, but also the causes that I want to care about. And that's been, I've been thinking a lot about it. And so one one thing that's great is that there is a ton of resources online, like thinking about, like, what you want to do, whether it's, like, local or international. Um, State Farm has an initiative called Neighborhood of Good Mm -hmm. that you can check out. 
uh, if you want to learn more about that. And for me, really, it was like about doing two things. One of them was like, okay, how much money do I want to give to um, to philanthropy this year? But also how much of my time do I want right. to give to philanthropy? And so I sat down, I made a plan for that. I've like narrowed it down to like five organizations I think I want to work with. And uh, right now I'm calling all of them to figure out like what's a good way that I can like both give my time, like specifically like give time to mm-hmm. because I'm like, uh, time and money. Yeah. You know, it's, it's important. And it just, it's made me think a lot about, um, like how I think about the things that I care about. Mm-hmm. And so it feels, it feels good. And I'm hoping that like, I'm going to narrow down, like, here's my, like, here's my strategy for the year moving forward. And so that feels good. And I'm already like, and I know that like, whatever, whoever I give to, I'm just going to set up like recurring donations. And for time, I'm going to make like one weekend a month that I volunteer on a thing that I care about. Oh, I'll join you. It's going to be fun. <laughs> so that's what I've been up to. Don't forget the talk show host thing. Oh, yeah. Got to breeze over that. My, my other goal is being a talk so show So that's host. what I've been up to. So I don't know. I actually haven't done a lot on that front. I'm mm-hmm. um, still not a talk show host. Um, not, yeah. not like it was going to happen overnight, but we were talking about taking steps toward I know, taking something steps you're passionate towards about. It. I, uh, yeah, I haven't done a lot towards that. I'm going to mm-hmm. be really honest because I've been really busy with other things. Okay. But... I, uh, I'm like basically writing myself a memo that is like, here's like, here's actually like concretely, what does that mean? Okay. And so that's probably going to be my first You should try to shadow somebody that works on like, you know, different talk shows and meet some people behind the scenes because you're in a position where they'll definitely love to have you come up there. Okay, we'll talk about this as my manager. Okay, you and I will talk. Let's get about you to just go up there and shadow just so you can see how a day works or a week works. Okay. Okay, that will be the goal for next time we talk. I'll be like, I've knocked this off my to-do list. All right, good. I'm going to send out this email right now so we can get you set up. No excuses. Yeah, but you know, like this has been, it's been really fun because No, you've been really busy and you have done a lot. So I commend you like you got a lot of things accomplished so far. Yeah, you know what? We're accomplishing things. But also, you know, the thing about the (laughs) the goals that's funny is that you're like, oh, this is the rest of the year. It's not just like a thing that you just go like, check, (laughs) then I'm done. Right, it's an ongoing process. It's like every goal is like 20 steps and then you actually have to make it happen. But um, I don't know. It's like, you know, a lot of these things I feel like are in research phase and even that feels good where you're like, oh, there's so many resources out there. Like there are so many ways that you can be successful. It's going to be fine. So, I mean, I am definitely going to make sure that I um, help you achieve some of these goals as long as you're willing to accept help, you know, because I know (laughs) that you don't like for men to help you, but (laughs) maybe let your friend help you. (laughs) Do you accept? (laughs) I'm dying. I'm dying. So, uh... (laughs) Wow, like read me for filth. So, so here's so here's the deal. I accept your help. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so flattered. I I accept your help. Okay, your perfect. your help. I accept your help. And um, she couldn't even say the word help. I know. Listen, that's why I pay somebody money for therapy every week. I'm working on it. Everybody's working on themselves. Also, um, yeah. Okay, I'm looking forward to this. It's it's a process. We're both gonna be changed. Good. No, I love it. I love it. Because it was a process for me, too. So that's why I completely understand. People used to tell me all the Angela, it's okay. You can let somebody help. It's okay. Like, I want to do nice things for you. I don't expect anything in return. I just want to. I believe that. Okay. 
I believe. I still can't believe you put me on blast like that. But <laughs> you know what? New year, new me. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Speaking of asking for help, you know, or like getting more information at least about how to ask for help. Um, it's so hard for her. Like, <laughs> deep breath. It's, it's so hard for me. I'm like, my heart is racing right now. <laughs> okay. I'm going to help you so much. You're going to be so mad. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm ready to be a new woman. It's fine. It's fine. So, you know, like, let's talk maybe about, like, icebreakers. How do you find out, basically, like, financial information about so touchy. your partner, right? Because, you know, like, in the beginning, when you don't ask them, you just start analyzing everything. You're like, how much money did they spend on Seamless? Right. Like, whoa, that coat is really nice. Or, like, you know, like, where was the last time they went on vacation and where do they stay? Before you figure all of that out, like, at what point in the relationship are you comfortable, like, asking them, like, real questions, like, real, like, how did you grow up with money or, like, how much money do you make or or do you even ask? Yeah, I can't imagine asking somebody how much money do you make. Oh, I do it all the time. Are you, you kidding do? me? Uh, what? Yes. When do you ask that? Well, so I've like, never asked someone how much money. Do you I make? ask. I ask men like systematically how much money they make because the numbers always like blow me like out of the water. I'm like, what? <laughs> like my friend has your same job. She doesn't make that much money. Um, so that like for me, that's just like a muscle that I've had for a long time. I like asking men how much money they make. In the context of relationship, though, I will say that I definitely get shyer about it because it's not a, you know, it's not just like, hey, you person on the street it's just more it feels like it has like implications right. about what we're doing and it's because hard. when you ask someone that it makes it seem like what are, is this going anywhere do we have a future <laughs> i know but the thing that like i think the thing that makes it a little easier for me is that i you know it's like i have a reputation as somebody who helps people negotiate jobs and like mm-hmm. do things so they know that it's not coming from like a gold digger because <laughs> you like, think that angle. I'm like, no, I'm like asking you for like research for work, but I. But do, not if it's somebody you're dating. Yeah, I'm, that's, but that's what I'm telling you. It's like right. when I'm dating them, it becomes. I'm just like, whoa! Like all of a sudden, I'm like shy about right. this. And so usually, like what I try to do, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it, is that I will usually ask them about how they grew up, mm-hmm. because I think that that somehow you know, like that's the launching pad of. Of a lot of things, but I'm also not shy about talking about my own money issues, right? Like, so it's, I feel that usually it will organically come up. So if I share, then he'll share. Yeah, I'm like, if I share or whatever, but... I do think that, like, once you get serious with someone, like, I would never get serious with somebody if I did not understand their financial picture. I'm not saying that I, like, I have a criteria for you have to make this much money, your credit score has to be this or this. Like, that's not what I care about. I just care about that, like, I need to know the facts of it because it also affects me. Is this going somewhere? Because the truth of the matter is, like, and I know you've said before that you feel like you need to live with somebody before you can get married, right? Mm -hmm. But when you are about to live with somebody, that means we got to do a credit check together to make sure. I know, but it's a fact-finding mission. Right, that's and that's a fact, because that's when you really find out, do I have to sign for this by myself? Or <laughs> does he have the credit necessary? Does he, you know, and you don't want to be surprised. No, I, I agree with that. By I the think time that, we like, get to that point. I think that if you get to the point where you're about to go into a contract with somebody, whether the contract is marriage or it's a lease, mm-hmm. <laughs> like whatever the paperwork is, you need to know. And also, you shouldn't be surprised. You know what I mean? I think that... Uh, having bad credit is something that you can fix. Like, I'm not gonna be like, oh my god, this person has bad credit. I'm not. And in also, love with why them. do why do they have exactly? Bad but if you're like, you have bad credit and you're not doing anything about it, and the reason that you the like whatever the reasons are that you got into bad credit are still ongoing things in your life, like that's a thing that I need to know, right? So it's like by the time that you get to the credit check, 
this shouldn't be a surprise. You're right. like, you should you should know. But I think that the other thing that like all of this brings up is that like when is the natural point where you start mixing your money, right? Because like that's Ooh. what like that's what this means. It's like if you sign a lease with somebody or you like buy a car together or you you know like whatever. Like that kind of stuff. I don't want to mix our money unless you make more than me. <laughs> Is that rude? That's not rude. That's real. <laughs> I like no. That's like very or real. Or the same. That's but very... but you know what? I'm 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 kidding, but what it's more about is what are your spending habits? Yeah, all of that is part of because it's part of the picture, right? I remember um one of my homegirls, she got married and she they didn't know each other that long before they got married. And he was doing all these extravagant things with their money. And she was making more than him. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't even talk to her about it before he did it. So she would come home and it'd be like a brand new flat screen TV in the basement. Like, when did that happen? And we didn't even have a discussion. I remember at one point he got a brand new car. And you can't make decisions like that when it's both of your money together. Right. And it's all. And the thing about like even calling it like our money or your money or whatever is that all of that, you can't even do that until you have a conversation. Everything is about clear communication, right? And so... It's like a lot of things are case by case scenario. It's like if you move in with someone and you guys are, it's like, yes, like you split bills or whatever, but it's like, how are you going to buy furniture, right? right? Is it like your furniture? Is it his furniture? Like, these are all things that you should talk about. And even and, if you all have separate accounts, there's certain big decisions of things that you're going to purchase, you should discuss. Yes, least. exactly. It's like if things are like big use, but also it's like if you are, if you are thinking that you're going to be like deeply committed to somebody and they're spending money in a way that like doesn't help you doesn't help your unit achieve the goals that you need to achieve then that's going to be a problem right it's like if you want to buy a house but this person is like just bought a new car or they're like spending all their money on video games or vacations or whatever it is then you're going to have a problem like you need to sit down and you need to talk about it so and the one way to do that is that you need clear numbers it's like how much debt do you have like one of my one of my really close friends um, married this guy and then she found out like later into their marriage that he lied about the amount of college debt that he had like he had said that it was just like a couple thousand dollars and it turns out that he owed over a hundred thousand dollars now know? that's and our debt like, yeah and now it's or like child support that's another thing yeah. you have to worry about when you get married you got you got to be really honest about these things because it affects everybody or it's like I have another friend that like her husband went to grad school so she was the breadwinner for a whole time. And then he like cheated and left on her and cheated and he cheated on her and then left her. And it's like, wow, you like put this guy through school. You like carried all this debt. And then now he's not a part of this family anymore. <laughs> like this is, and is that a write off? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, she hopes so. But you know, it's, it's just like you, you need to talk about all of these like nasty scenarios. And a lot of times like people don't want to talk about it because they're just like, it's hard. Why it's hard. And also they think that it means that like, you're already thinking about breaking up. It's like a lot of people don't like prenups for marriages because they're like, why are you thinking about divorce? It's like, well, actually you can, you can think about it that way. And you can be like, why are you thinking about our demise? Or you can honestly say that like, if something really bad happens to both of us, like a prenup doesn't have to favor one person, right? Right. You You can can make make an arrangement. You can make an arrangement that like favors both of you and honors like your values and what you want to do. So, but the thing is that like you have to talk about it. Right. And it's just think on like the worst day that we can have in this relationship. If we already have an agreement for how we're going to deal with it, it's so much easier than like burning somebody's clothes in the sink. 
but not as satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe the best idea is to really tell somebody, listen, this is a difficult conversation to have, but if we're planning to have a future together, I'd rather we do this now and let's talk about, like, be completely honest with each other about our financial situations. Yeah, right. And also, like, the thing... Over a bottle of wine. Right. But the thing about it that's good, too, is that, like, if you're not happy about where your financial situation is and you're making a commitment to someone, you're, like... You you're automatically getting somebody on your team that's gonna help you achieve your goals. Like that's the good. Unless they're doing worse than you. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, don't, We're in this together, baby. But you know, it's it's the thing that I was saying earlier about like I don't care about like matching dollar <laughs> accounts in our account in our bank account. I care about like matching our ambitions. Mm-hmm. And so if you're like okay, like here's where I want to be. Like, will you help me get there? That's that's normal. And like, it's like in the same way that you talk about like what do we want to do with money? It's the same way that people talk about like do you want to start a family? Like do you want to have kids? Do you not want to have kids? It should just be part of the checklist. And you know what? Another thing is that I also look at it like man, I worked so hard to get what I have cuz I didn't used to have all of this mm-hmm. and I don't want to be with somebody that is irresponsible. Right. Like or that is not willing to take take accountability for what it is that they have going on and fix it. It also, you know, it also just makes you feel, it's really hard. It makes you feel really naked and vulnerable. It's like, I think about like my own, like making a budget for myself and how that took me years to do. And there's still like parts of my budget where I'm like, okay, like here's rent, here's whatever. But I don't like telling people like what my discretionary spending is. And then when you have a partner, you have to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're like, now it's our budget. Like here is the, you know, like. You're like, sorry, I like to spend too much money on this thing. I like, definitely you're do. Have to deal with that. <laughs> Colorful Lives presented by State Farm to help you increase your financial IQ and to bring your career, business, and life to the next level. Every other week, we're getting together and offering up advice and inspiration to help you up your financial IQ with our new season of Colorful Lives. If you're liking what you're hearing, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. It only takes a few seconds, and it makes a huge difference in helping more people find out about the show. And if you really want to support the show, we're not asking for any handouts. We just ask that you put a friend on to your favorite episode. So don't forget, you can get into the conversation on social media just use the hashtag hashtag live colorful with two l's at the end of colorful okay angela everybody has baggage um and everybody like almost everybody has like some baggage around debt and talking about debt and then in relationships it gets even more it gets even more uh complicated right um how do you talk to your partner about Debt, especially when it comes to like thinking about sharing and splitting accounts and that kind of stuff. Well, one thing that I did with my boyfriend early on, not too, too early, but I basically came clean about my situation. And I think it's important when you want people to share with you what their financial situation is, you have to be willing to initiate that conversation also and be as honest as possible because, you know, I will tell you in a heartbeat, I have not always been good with money. I've been in serious debt. I've had $30,000 credit card debt. I've had student loans. I've had bad credit. I've had credit cards in college that I never paid the bills off of and for years I wasn't opening my bills. It was just a lot of things that I had going on and I was very honest with him about that. You know, I talked about how I got myself out of debt. I talked about my family situation, my views on money. I've always overspent 
from when I was younger. Like I, certain things I couldn't afford, I would charge it. I wanted to have certain material things. And he's kind of the same way also, which is why it was really important for me to have that conversation because we can't both do that. Like <laughs> if we go out, he's like, I'm like, he's like, I'll say I like something. He'll say, yes, you should get it. And I need somebody to kind of check me sometimes and like question, you know, that. But I think for both of us, like, it was important to have that discussion because I would talk about my credit score. I wanted to know what his credit score was. I wanted to know if he had any investments, just certain things that I was asking him. And then I feel like there's ways you can bring the topic up without asking like direct what's your credit report what's this what's that and then when you get more serious like if you know you're gonna get married or you're gonna move if you're gonna move in together it's really really important because how you treat money is also to me a sign of like how responsible you are and if you're thinking long term with somebody those things matter yeah and it's also just about like having trust in each other right it's like Mm -hmm. i think about moving in it's so much better if you've talked about this stuff instead of like you both put in an application and then you get denied because like one of you hadn't talked about it, right? It happened to my friend. And the thing is that there's a lot of shame around money conversations, but the more open you can be about it, the less shame you can have. Like I, you know, like I'm the same way as you. I've been in a lot of debt. I've been like really, really bad. Um, I, in fact, like fixed my credit score last Mm -hmm. year. And, you know, the first step of that is really opening your bills and just like is doing all the things that you don't want to do. And the thing is that like you can get help for a lot of that stuff. And I think that one thing that's exciting about when you think about like moving in with your partner or you're thinking about like a long term, we like you have financial goals together is that actually there's two of you. You can be a team and you can help each other. But the only way that that works is if you have a foundation of trust and like and you are very honest about what's going on. It's fine if one of you has like a bleaker financial picture than the other person. You can help each other get there. And I think, too, that as you work through that accountability, you're so right. It's like this is also a way that you can figure out if somebody's serious. It's like if you had a goal to like buy a house or to get out of debt or to pay all your student loans or whatever and – like one of you is not working at it in the way that you had agreed to, then you also know that your partnership is going to be hard for all of those reasons. But like, at what point do you decide if you're going to pool your money or if you're going to split it? Because that stuff is really touchy for me. Man, it's touchy for me too, because I'm not going to lie. I work really hard to get the money that I have. (laughs) But I understand the value in us pooling our resources so I feel like I'm down for us to have that account where like we have our money for our vacations together and our money to pay our bills together we have one joint account and we each put in the same amount of money and use that money just to pay the bills not for extravagant other things to get groceries whatever but then if I want to do things like go shopping buy shoes buy bags uh, go out to dinner with my friends I have my own separate account for that So and I have no problem with him having his own separate account. But I feel like certain huge purchases, like if you're going to buy a new car, I need to know about that. Even if it's your money, I just Mm want to know like what it is that's happening. And uh, I I just think it's like a respect thing. Like I wouldn't make a huge purchase without letting him know first and saying, "Okay, look, I'm thinking about getting a new car. What do you think about this? Just because you're part of those decisions, too. Maybe you can give me some insight I didn't think of. You should be asking me for my opinion. At the end of the day, it's your money. You could do what you want with it. But I don't want to be caught off guard when you come home with a brand new car and we didn't even discuss it. And we yeah. talk every day. Because, like, everything affects you, right? And I think 
that it's yeah it's like for me when I think about like hmm would I ever buy a house with someone I'm like Woo! we gotta be married yeah we or do. like on it you know and and I, I love that I'm saying that like I uh, like I'm on track to be married at all but you know it's like <laughs> it's like some stuff too it's just you have to think about it as like their contractual obligations to a lot of things mm-hmm. right so it's like if you're if you get a mortgage with someone and you're not married to them, well, guess what? The law is not going to look kindly on a lot of you when the problems come up and things like that. So, what about going into business together? Right, like going into business together. I like again, those are all things that you need to talk about, and it is. It's really, really tough depending on where the status of your relationship is. Um, and I like for me, I like to have like both a verbal contract and if the transaction is really good, actually, is to sit down and drop like a for real contract, right? Because it, the, it it's meant to protect everybody. I think that a lot of people look at like these kinds of conversations like, why are you thinking about breaking up? Yeah, you're you know? planning for the breakup. Right. It's the same way with like prenups or whatever. People get really upset and you're like, well, first of all, um, there's a high chance that like you could break up with someone. Like everybody, anything can listen, happen. Everybody that breaks up never thought they would break up. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what happens. But the thing too is that like you're, you're protecting both of yourselves, right? It's, um, contracts and like prenups and all of these things they don't have to favor just one person right that's kind of the way to look at it and also it's just think about it in the sense of like when you are having a really hard day and you hate each other and everybody's angry you've kind of already set a parameter for how you're going to have this fight right and that that's <laughs> something that can make it a lot easier on everybody and also the other truth is that like women for like historically for a long time have been at the disadvantage of all of these things right like we're we're like kind of the first generation where like a lot of women have more earning power Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of stuff but all that stuff is also like that stuff can go away in the blink of an eye so protecting protecting yourself is really it's really really important and it's not because your partner doesn't love you or they don't trust you but it's like life can happen they can get hit by a bus and then you got to pay that mortgage by yourself think about all these celebrity couples and we're like devastated when they break up because we thought it was gonna last forever right and then you're like damn i can't believe What's a good example? Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie broke up. You couldn't believe that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just giving an example. <laughs> but people really were, you know, shocked when something like that happened. I'm going to be shocked if Cardi B and Offset break up. <laughs> I'm going to be shocked if Cardi B and Offset are together when this podcast airs. <laughs> but, <laughs> but to keep it real, like, you never plan for that. Because in your head, you're not thinking you're going to break up. But then you think about all the people that have been... There's people that... My parents, you know, they got divorced. I didn't think that was going to happen. I don't, I don't think they had a prenup. But um, it's important. It is important to protect yourself so that when something unfortunate like that happens, you can. It's an easier break than you guys having to like work through things. Like I know somebody who's going through a tough breakup right now. They didn't have a prenup, so now they have to sell the house, and it's just all these issues of who's going to get the dog, who's going to, mm-hmm. you know, so who wants to. I want to keep the house, but I can't afford to keep the house, so now we have to sell the house, and it's just a lot of different things that come along with that that actually make it even harder. So it's nicer to have like something in place just in case the unthinkable potentially happens. It's just being responsible. And being realistic, it's mm-hmm. like, listen, like you, you're not a unique snowflake. Like these things happen to a lot of we people. We are unique snowflakes. <laughs> We're all different. Only you, Angela. <laughs> all of us. Okay. One big expense that you can have with your partner that people talk about a lot actually is weddings. And American weddings cost too much money. Maybe you can get an endorsement. I know, right? You can be like, what was that woman on The View, Star Jones? She was like the first time that I saw somebody get their wedding sponsored. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, I'm not Um, mad at it. I know, I'm not mad at it. But, I, you know, it's like, I... 
But the average person, yes, we are not going to yeah, get it's our... Like the, I think like something like the average American wedding costs like $33,000. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. That's and that's lot. the average wedding. Like for us who live in New York, like um, $33,000 probably not going to go very far. And you know what I think people anticipate too when they do a wedding? They anticipate that people that come to the wedding are going to give them money and that's going to help pay for the wedding. I know, but Let's nobody's going to give you... Know. But nobody's <laughs> going to give you that amount of money, right? But I think that like one thing too that like weddings put really into perspective is how you can, like, how the two of you can reach a goal together, Mm -hmm. you know, and see what happens. And a lot of people, like, plan for a dream wedding, right? And I'm like, actually, what you should be planning for is your marriage. And so, for me, A house. Because, you know what? I'm going to tell you this. Don't you spend $33,000 on a wedding and y'all ain't got no house. I know. I'm like, if somebody gave me Mm $33,000 to, like, throw a wedding, that's exactly what I would do. I'm like, I'm sorry. We're all going to eat cake somewhere. (laughs) But, like, this money is going straight into what we're doing, right? But also, it's just, it's an exercise in prioritizing. One thing I learned too, and I don't know how you can do this, but they said, if you're going to rent a venue, don't let, don't tell them that it's a wedding. Oh, my friend did this. And let me tell you, the venue people got so angry. Whoop. She So she planned like <laughs> one of the most beautiful weddings I've ever been to. And she told every single vendor that it was for a party. And they were Ooh, like, what's kind the of theme? Is. what was the theme of the party? And she was like, be in love. And uh, so like the cake was cheaper, the everything was cheaper. And then when the, the owner of where we had the reception came, she was like, nobody said this was a wedding. And they were like, how is that materially different from this? Thing right. that we're throwing. And she got really like threw a fit in but the middle of the She couldn't do anything about it. And she couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And, and it was like so much cheaper. It's definitely true. They charge you a lot more if they know it's a wedding. So if you can avoid having to say, you know, when you get your floral arrangements and you get your cake and catering and bar and all of that, once you tell them it's a wedding, they charge you a lot more money. There's like a cake cutting fee and um, you have to think about different things. Like even a DJ might charge more for a wedding mm. and the venue, which is crazy because I don't understand what should the difference be like it's still the same product the difference is capitalism Angela (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you have any tools that you use when you're like living with someone or like sharing finances that uh, that makes sense I think I'm gonna keep it real I have a way more together than my boyfriend does <laughs> when it comes to finances. He's going to be mad at me for saying that, but it's very true. Like, I'm a lot more responsible when it comes to taking care of all my bills. He takes care of his, you know, what he has to do, like, on his own. And um, we do have, like, a couple of things that we've invested in together. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've been taking care of. But I feel like he's gotten his credit score up, like, really, really, really high. So I'm thankful to him for that because he's working on it. But I do feel like we, there's only certain things like that we spend money on together. Like we make sure we do a vacation together every year mm-hmm. and we spend money on that. And then our investment and, you know, future where we're going to live, we're doing that together. But when it comes to individual things, like we don't share money. So I think that's part of things being successful for us because I make the money that I make and I spend it how I want to spend it. He makes the money he makes. He spends it how he wants to spend it. But we know that there's things that we're obligated to pay. So we come together on those things that are for both of us. And, you know, I don't ever want to have a discussion like who took this money out of the account for that. And I don't want to have to do with that, deal with that, you know, and I am used to kind of like taking care of myself and paying all my own stuff and not having to ask anybody. So I do try to be respectful of the fact that, 
I have I'm in a relationship and I want him to know what I'm doing. Like if I go shopping, if I go to the mall, he'll ask me how much did you spend, and I tell him. Like I'm honest. I remember growing up, my mom would go shopping and she would keep the packages in the car in the trunk until my dad went to sleep, and then when he went to sleep, <laughs> she would take the bags out of the trunk and then go hide them and never let him know. And then sometimes he would ask her like. Hey, when did you get that? And she'd be like, oh, I had this. And I'm like, I don't ever want to have to sneak around right. and lie like that because it just feels awful. Like, And then she would never tell, like when the bills would come, he would go ballistic, you know? And that's so true. I just don't ever want to have that situation. Yeah, no, that's true. It's like my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So like my dad basically gave her an allowance. And I think that like growing up with that is something that I was like, I never want to be in this situation where it's like if she, you know, like she would have to figure out a way to finesse all the stuff that she was buying to have anything that was like leftover for her or anything right. like that. It's like this is what happens when you are not uh, when you feel dependent. Yeah. When you're to- not like financially independent. Um, I mostly like track all of my own bills and stuff like that in a spreadsheet mm-hmm. um, because I'm that girl. I'm an old school girl. But there are a lot of like really good apps that people can use. There's one that comes on my phone that I use. That you use? Yeah, the balance. I check my credit cards and my bank accounts like every other day. Um, I do that. Listen. Every other day. I used to be the person that I just like never knew that stuff. And now every morning when I wake up, I check how much money I have in the bank. And I was like, that's the healthiest. That's how I know that my relationship with money is at a healthy place. It's nice to know I actually have money in the bank, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I know what's going on here. But also it helps me like make decisions throughout the day. I'm like, well, if I don't have money, like maybe spending $20 on a New York City breakfast is not the smartest thing to do. And the other thing is that you really have to keep track of if anybody's like trying to steal your identity, which happened Mm -hmm. to me just recently. Somebody opened up. Uh, three different accounts and they tried to open up another one under my name but fortunately I saw it right away somebody actually used one of my charge my Bloomingdale's charge card bought a bunch of stuff in the store I was like I was doing my book club and I get an email like hey here's your receipt and I'm like my receipt I'm not even Mm -hmm. shopping I'm in my book club so I had to call them right away and the person had just purchased it like a half an hour before to get all of that like taken off my card I made sure that I didn't get charged for it. And then I had to cancel that card, get a new card. And then I put alerts on all my accounts. Somebody opened up an, an account at like um, at PC Richard and at Walmart. And that was me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a nice new TV. So I I, from PC TV. Richard, they opened up the account and I think um, they bought the stuff. And so I don't know if they had it shipped or whatever they did, but I got that account closed right away and then it's the same bank that for the other card they tried oh, to open annoying. so they called they actually didn't open the other account but they tried to so now I have an alert on all my accounts so anything that happens if anybody tries to open anything I get alerted they have to do go through like all this extra stuff with the um, ID and everything and, and they call me Yeah. so no one can just open an account but then it kind of sucks because I can't even do it because it's a lot of yeah, trouble I mean if you're uh, my advice to all my friends is always like unless you're looking to buy a house or a car immediately is to freeze all your credit freeze all your credit reports because that way it's like if somebody tries to use it Mm -hmm. all you have to you can do this online at every credit bureau now it's really easy and all you have to do is like call to remove them or you can like unfreeze and that way it's like nobody can mess with your stuff but again it's like we're all adults you're responsible for your own things and it's really difficult to have to go back and like fix your credit Mm -hmm. you know you can ruin your credit in a second and then it can take you a long time to get it 
fixed back mm-hmm. to where it needs to be. So you'd rather just take those preventative measures and not have to worry about it. One way that you can regularly check in with your partner about finances without feeling like you're just grilling each other uh, is to make like a regular money date mm-hmm. and to just make that fun, right? So it's like a time that's on your calendar where you sit down and you talk about your upcoming goals and your progress and your obstacles. And, you know, it's like you do that stuff for work already. It's just maintenance and you're trying to stay accountable and on top of stuff. A good way to do that is to check out like a different new restaurant every time mm-hmm. you do it. So I think it's to make things like more fun and a ritual is what I like to do is say, okay, let's look on online on Yelp on Open Table and see what restaurants got the best reviews that we've never been to. Pick a restaurant. Let's go to the restaurant and every time it's something different. And one time I pick and I pay, the next time he picks and he pays. Mm-hmm. And so we just alternate and pick different restaurants and it's a great way to uh, try and experience different things together and also have that conversation. So we kind of look forward to it. Right. And it's also like a way to celebrate your small win, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like if you meet a goal, like what's the thing that you can do to like reward yourselves or whatever going to a restaurant together is great going on a trip is amazing or you know like figuring out a thing that you can do together and I'm big on using points for that too like with my credit card I get points and so a lot of times you can use those points to get gift cards and I'll do that for like either I actually did that to get a flight like I we went somewhere but I used all of my points in my credit card to get a voucher so that we could fly somewhere I love that Um, yeah you know it doesn't like talking about money doesn't have to be painful it can just be part of your regular like things that you talk about and honestly if I'm honest it just it makes you feel like you're going somewhere together you know like it just like pushes the ball forward so it's a good idea to have a regular date night that's about that stuff plus we're very competitive and we like to see who can save the most money which is really exciting that's really funny I win Um, most of the time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I bought nothing for myself. Um, yeah, no, I like, I love that. Also, you know, it's like, it's a part of just like having more intimacy, mm-hmm. you know, because it's stuff that like you're, you don't really talk about with other people. And here's somebody now who knows your hopes and dreams and it's going to help you get there. Right. And whoever saves the most money, they have to um, dance and we throw money at each other. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's saving that. With some of my friends, we have a savings challenge. It's really funny at the end of the year to just be like, here's how much money I've put away. And then you're like, but all I want to do is spend it now. Yeah. Well, till next year. Till next year. Inshallah. Well, you know, Aminatu and I have very similar ideas about finances and couples, right? And so I thought it would be a good idea if we talked to Talit and Ty McNeely. They're America's number one money couple, and they're financial educators who are on a mission to get individuals and couples on the same page financially. So they're co-authors of Money Talks, the ultimate couple's guide to communicating about money, and they're also the host of the top-rated podcast, The His and Her Money Show. They've been featured in Black Enterprise, MSN.com, Essence, Business Insights, and the TD Jake Show. So here they are dropping some financial knowledge on us about couples and money. Hi there. Uh, can you please introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about who the McNeelys are and how you started His and Her Money? Well, I'm Talit. And I'm Ty. And we are from hisandhermoney.com. We are America's number one money couple. And we've been married for 11, going on yeah. 12 years. We have three beautiful children. And we go around the country and really our message goes around the world, helping people to manage their money, their marriage and everything in between. That's right. We pretty much got our start uh, because when we got married almost 12 years ago, uh, my dear husband came into the marriage with all of the debt and the bad credit score. And I had no debt and an excellent credit score. 
But he also failed to tell me um, how much debt he really was in, you know, and we did the premarital counseling. I pulled credit reports. I thought I was doing all the right things, uh, but he withheld some information from me. So that's pretty much how why we started was because of our story and how we overcame uh, financial infidelity and we're winning with our money. And so a lot of couples was coming up to us asking us questions like, how did you all do this? How did you all get out of debt? We got, actually got out of debt. Within our first year of marriage, uh, we paid off over $30,000 of debt within our first year of marriage. And so a lot of people noticed it and they wanted to find out how they too can do it. And so that's really how his or her money got to start. Yeah, we learned a lot over the years and we fought through a lot, came over a lot of obstacles and hurdles. And we've been living a debt free life for the past 10 plus years. And just people were always asking us questions and like, how did you do it? How did you overcome? How did you get through it? And we were doing a lot of that type of teaching locally to those that were around us. And one day we were out on a date and we just had the idea of, man, maybe we could help more people if we take what we do here locally and put it online. Therefore, more people have access to the message that we're trying to put forth. And we came up with the name His and Her Money on the way home from that date night. And we've been going strong ever since. So what does a money date look like for the McNeilies? Money dates, I think, are a huge part of having good synergy with your money and your marriage because it gives you the opportunity to get on the same page with your finances. So what we like to teach people is to go on money dates. And that's just simply like any other day. You go out to a nice restaurant or just go somewhere quiet. It can even be like a Starbucks type deal or even the library, someplace where you all can just connect. And the point that you want to connect on on these money dates is where do you stand financially? And not only where you stand today, but where are you trying to go? What type of goals are you setting? So that's what we like to do. We like to go out and talk about where we are presently with our money and where we're trying to go and is what we're doing today helping us to get to that place. Yeah, that's right. And then there are times where we may not be able to actually leave the home because again, we do have three small children and sometimes we don't want to have to wait until grandma is uh, watching them or babysitting them. And so sometimes when they go to bed at night, you know, it's a quiet night and maybe a school night and we might light a candle, might make some tea and I'm probably drinking peppermint tea, right? And what are you drinking? I got the green tea going. Okay, you got the green tea. So I love peppermint. And we're just sitting and we're talking, we're dreaming, you know, we're also going over our budget and uh, some of our goals, short-term goals, as well as long-term goals. And most of them have to do around money, but not all, but that's where we really have the, the time to really discuss our money dreams. You know, in marriage, if you can figure this out, learning how to talk about your finances, there's nothing you can't talk about because money is the toughest thing to talk about because there's so many emotions tied to our finances. And so if a husband and wife can go on these money dates and begin to become more and more comfortable with having these discussions, they're just only going to win in the end. In the book, you both talk about how your relationship with money evolved over the years. Um, can you tell us like what you learned about money, money management when you were younger and what kind of lessons you want to pass on to your children? Well, I can go first with that. When I grew up, I grew up in a very good home, two parent middle class household and life was pretty good. You know, we were comfortable. We didn't want for much. But one thing stood out to me, and that was the fact that my parents bought me zero, absolutely no 
name, brand, clothing, or shoes. And that was a problem for me. You know, growing up a teenager and in high school, it was all about the Jordans. And whenever the new Jordans came out, all my friends came to school with those new Jordans on. Did I have them? No way, no how. Instead, I had the Payless version called the Pro Wings on. And that was a problem. And I kind of harbored a little bit of resentment because of this fact, you know, my parents were very frugal with their money. And so when I got out on my own, I said, I'm not going to be that. I'm going to be the complete opposite of that. And so I'm going to buy everything with a name brand. Matter of fact, if it's not a name brand, I won't be buying it. And so what happened in my evolution with money was I became very materialistic and made a lot of bad purchase decisions. And those bad choices led me to over $30,000 of debt and really nothing to show for it. It's not like that was student loan debt. Nope. It's not like that was real estate debt. Nope. It was just a bunch of consumerist types purchases that I was financing my life. My car was financed. The sound system in the car was financed. My furniture was financed. I just had my whole life financed. And I was in a cycle that was very destructive from a financial standpoint. I had a great job. I was in the military getting a check on the first and the 15th of every month. But you get to the end of the month and I have absolutely nothing to show for it. And that was super frustrating. And it got to a point where I was just completely fed up with that feeling of, man, I've been working hard all month and I have nothing here to show for that hard work. And so I began to research and figure out where was I going wrong? I read books about money. I watched TV shows about money. I read articles about money. And slowly but surely, I started to involve in the area of financial literacy. And because I was starting to understand money a little bit better, I was able to make better decisions. And it was at this point where I was coming into the knowledge of money that I fell in love. And I grew up in a household of, I am one of five children. I have an identical twin sister. Uh, My parents, they also were middle class. And I grew up in a a uh, two-income earning family. Um, Both my parents worked outside of the home. And they too were, they were very, very frugal. I mean, my parents didn't lavish a lot of gifts on us. We only pretty much got gifts when it was our birthday or Christmas, but not really on an average day. Uh, We didn't wear name brand items as well. Um... We also did not go out to dinner. We would eat mostly, you know, at home and we would cut coupons and things like that. But I thought everybody lived like that. I didn't know that there were actually people outside of my home that was living differently until um, I was able to grow up. And about at the age of 19, I went out to purchase my own vehicle, $13,000 car, paid it off by myself in just 11 months. Um, and I also put myself through college, through a very prestigious college where I received a degree in finance. Uh, completely debt-free as well. And so when I was going to get married, I too thought my husband was going to be the same way, but he was actually the opposite. And so to make a long story short, again, you guys know a little bit of our story. We actually overcame that and was able to become debt-free within our first year of marriage. And now that we have three children ourselves, what do we teach them? You know, uh, we teach them for the most part, our, our children do not feel entitled. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't get we work a lot around gratitude. Yes. Big time, big time. Um, we don't just go and just buy them things randomly. And what I mean by that, I'm talking about like things like toys and stuff like that. Of course they get the things that they need, but you know, grades are good and stuff like that. And then, you know, we'll take them out or if there's Christmas and birthdays, but for the most part, our children don't feel entitled. You know, um, we let them know, Hey, mommy and daddy work very, very hard. 
with what uh, you've been given and to appreciate it. Yeah. And we also go over the difference between giving, saving and spending. So whenever they get some money of any sort from us or from their relatives, you know, like grandparents or aunts and uncles for birthdays or Christmas, they get to keep some. They get to put some in the bank because each one of them have their own savings account and they get to have fun with some. And so we teach them that when you get money, it's not all about just spending, but there are some other priorities that you need to keep in mind with money. And so as they begin to get older, we'll start to go more in depth with the lessons that we teach them. But I think it's no matter what age your kids are, and even if you haven't been doing this for years and years and years, the point is wherever you're at today, it's important to start to have those conversations now. And that's what we tend to do. In the book, you also break down the difference between spenders and savers. What are some of the traits that make you a spender or a saver? And how can a relationship between a spender and a saver prosper? Great question. I think that whatever your natural inclination is, if you are the type like me who sees money in the bank account and you're wondering, hmm, what can I buy? You, my friend, might be a spender. Yeah, or if every time a friend invites you out on a trip or out to eat, you're like, yes, I'm the first one there. Or as soon as something comes out, whether it's new, you're not really waiting until it goes on sale, nor are you searching for a coupon. You are more than likely a spender. That's right. Now, on the converse of that is the saver. If you're just always thinking about putting the money up, you like watching that balance grow and you like seeing that number get bigger and bigger and bigger. Or if you're naturally inclined to not make any type of rash purchases, but if you see something you want, you have this natural ability to be patient and to put money up until you have the money to go and buy that in cash. You're probably a savior. If you love a good coupon, mm-hmm. if you cannot pay full price for anything, yep. you, my friend, are a saver. That's right. And, and more than likely, again, in a relationship, you're going to have one or the other. And in our marriage, uh, we're no different. I'm more or less the saver and he is definitely the spender. But we need a balance. We both need each other. Without me, he wouldn't have any savings. And without him, I wouldn't really have fun. So we now have incorporated uh, different things into our marriage that makes us both comfortable, right? Or come alive. And so I know how important it is to actually go on vacations. But for me, it's it's better if we save for it and if we budget it for it and we put money to the side. So therefore, I'm able to go out on this vacation and have fun, spend money, you know, uh, however we please, because we've actually saved for it. Yeah, I think it's important that in order for a relationship that has one of each, a saver and a spender to prosper, there has to be some common ground. What I mean by that is it's important for both parties to have a good understanding of where you stand financially. What you don't want to do is have one person strictly handling the finances and looking at the numbers and the other party has really no idea because then you start to make choices based on the information that you have. And so the one that has all the information can make better choices than the one that doesn't. And so if you're the spender or the saver, you both need the same information and then you both need to Take that information and now understand that you both have strengths. Just because you're the natural saver doesn't mean that you're the better one with the money necessarily. Because like my wife said, it's important to have a balance. There's a time to be the spender and there's a time to be the saver. And it's important that you lean on each other's strengths, right? Because being a saver is a strength in some situations. In other situations, being the spender is a strength. And understanding that you both have quality and that you're both adding to this relationship no matter where you are 
on this spectrum will help you to prosper because you will respect each other and you will and you will respect what each brings to the table. One part in your book that resonates a lot is about fighting fair. You talk about money or debt with your partner and it's not always easy. How can listeners avoid a complete communication breakdown even when things get really heated? Well, for starters, what you first have to understand is respect. I mean, it's huge. Even when you don't see eye to eye, it's important that you understand that this is your spouse. This is the person that you love and you chose to love this person for a reason. So it's important to always maintain a healthy level of respect when having these discussions, because it's important to note that it's okay that they don't necessarily see everything the way you see it. Maybe you need to break down why you have this viewpoint, right? Because they just haven't caught on to it. That doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make you right. It just makes you all different. And it's okay to be different. When you're communicating, that's the point, right? To bring clarity to the other party and vice versa. So number one, it's important to respect Mm -hmm. each other during this process because again, it's very easy for emotions to get high and out of control because money is emotional. That's just a fact. You can't undo that. Money doesn't ever become unemotional. There are emotions going to be attached to it. When you have a lot of money in the bank, you feel good. When you have low funds, you feel bad because that's just how we are wired. So number one, go into the conversation with respect and go into the conversation with an open ear and an open heart. Don't go into it with a finality in your mind, like my way is exactly right and I need you to get it. And that's the only way we're going to resolve this. No, maybe they have a point too. Maybe there's an angle or a twist or a rationale behind their viewpoint that you didn't consider. So go into it with an open heart and an open mind and be willing to learn from each other and be willing to come to some sort of common ground. Yeah. And you know, sometimes the result of always having heated conversations is this, such as this is because you're not communicating on a regular basis. A lot of times this is built up frustration. This is unspoken, you know, frustration that you guys have not been dealing with. So that's why it's always important to have your money dates, have your regular communication times where you could sit down and both parties can be honest with each other. You can be open um, and just share really from your heart, you know, and again, neither one of you is wrong. You know, both of you, you have your own opinion, but that's where sitting down, not passing any judgment, listening as much as uh, you speak to your spouse and come to a common ground. I think it's also important for timing. You need to make sure that it's a good time to talk. Like if your spouse is walking in, they just had a tough day at work or they're hungry or something of that nature. And you know that that makes them even more tense. Probably not a good time to talk. Talk to where there's a time where things are kind of mellowed out because you know this could be an intense conversation anyway. So timing is good. Always consider that along with respect, along with going into it with open heart and an open mind. We talked about pay gaps during this episode. How do you suggest that listeners deal with a partner that makes more or less than them? Yeah, you know, we actually dealt with this um, during the first half of our marriage where I was actually uh, the one bringing in more income than my husband. And you know what? It didn't matter. Because from day one, we went into this marriage of we were on one accord. You know, I, I really don't understand how... Uh, 
couples can make the conscious decision and say, you know what, you're good enough to really be my children's father. I'm good enough to be your children's mom. Hey, let's have children together, but we can't really work on our finances together. We're not one in the area of our money. So from day one, what was mine, what I brought into the marriage was now ours. And what he brought into the marriage was now ours. And it didn't matter. I never made my husband feel bad. I never uh, belittled him. I never made him feel that he wasn't important. As a matter of fact, I did the opposite. I've always uplifted him, always thanked him and affirmed him for his part in uh, making sure that the family has what they need. And guess what? Fast forward about what, six years into the marriage, I then decided to come home to be a stay-at-home mom. And now that we have three children, I'm really juggling all of their schedules and things like that. And if I would have made my husband feel bad in the beginning about me bringing in more money, hey, how would I be feeling now? (laughs) It's all about teamwork. You have to have that mentality for every aspect of your marriage. And so we always were in this thing together. It wasn't about what she made versus what I made. It was about what we made collectively and what we were trying to do collectively. And so I think it's important in a relationship. And we're, we're really speaking to the relationship where you have two people working hard, bringing in incomes. We're not talking about situations where one spouse is mooching off the other or something of that nature. But if both of you guys are getting up every day, you're going out and you're working hard, you're doing your thing in the marketplace Man, it's no need to be worried about who's making what. It's about what moves you all are making together and where you're trying to go as a unit. I think that's where the mentality has to be. It's got to be us. It's got to be our. And it can't be I and it can't be mine and it can't be yours. Uh, Can you explain the two income trap and how can our listeners stay away from that? The two income trap is something that everybody should be aware of because it's so common and so many people fall into it unbeknownst to them. So here it is. Simply, you have one person in a relationship, they have an income and they get with another person in the relationship and they have an income. So now you have a relationship that involves two salaries. What happens is these two people, they go out and they purchase a home that's based on these two incomes. They go and each get cars. And so they have two cars in the driveway that's dependent on these two incomes. Build a life around two incomes. They like to go out and have fun and have vacations. And so they build a lifestyle that must be funded by these two incomes. But then life happens because one spouse may want to come home and be a stay-at-home parent. Or maybe they want to leave the corporate world and launch out on an entrepreneurial endeavor. Or maybe they want to get involved in missions and travel and things of that nature. And again, that will cause a reduction in income. But the problem is they have a lifestyle that depends on two incomes. So if one of the incomes is lost, maybe an unforeseen job layoff, they are in trouble because they can't keep up with the mortgage and the car notes and the credit card payments and the student loan payments and the kids' tuitions because all of that stuff that they have been acquiring and accumulating is dependent upon both parties having that particular level of income. And thus, they are trapped in the two-income trap. So how do you avoid it? For us, we learned about this principle early and so Because we learned about the two income trap early, we made sure that we built a lifestyle that was only dependent on one income. So although we had two incomes, we did not build a life on two incomes. So the home that we bought was only based on one income. 
we paid off our vehicles and so we didn't have car notes and we didn't have a bunch of things going on like that. And so when that time came that my wife wanted to leave corporate America and be a stay-at-home parent, it was okay because our life that we were living didn't require two incomes. Now, now may some of you may say, well, I'm already there. I can't just go to live off half of our income because we already are kind of in that trap. Well, what can you do? That's a better question. Maybe you can't go all the way back to living on 50% of your income, but maybe you can do 90 or maybe you can do 80% and you can put the other income to better use. For us, when we were living off that one income, we then used the second income to get out of debt. And then once we got out of debt, we used that second income to do some investing. So you want to do something. If you can't go all the way back to half, maybe you can go cut back just a little and use that margin that you create to hit other financial goals in your life because you just don't want to be stuck, right? Stuck. I mean, unable to leave and unable to live a life that you want to because you have to keep up with all these payments that require you to have this level of income. So it's a trap. Don't fall for it. You also get some great budgeting tips in your book. Now tell us about the envelope system and some of your favorite budgeting tools. So the envelope system is a really great way uh, that we like to teach, especially those that are in the beginning stages. Um, maybe you're trying to get out of debt. Maybe you're trying to save for some big goal, or maybe you're just trying to you know, better manage your finances than you've been doing in the past. Uh, so that's where the envelope system comes in. And the way that that works is basically just that. You grab you a lot of envelopes. They don't have to be fancy. You can get just the white ones that come in the box that you can buy for like 99 cents at Walmart or down the street at your local store. And you want to categorize your spending. So you may have groceries, you may have gas, you may have clothing, uh, dining out, uh, utilities. And so you're going to write on these envelopes and allocate your cash into individual groups, okay? That's where your envelopes come in. So we like to suggest uh, like your groceries, maybe clothing or maybe your, your allowance or spending cash, dedicated envelope strictly for that and you want to separate it so therefore when you go to the grocery store and you're buying groceries you'll pull from the grocery envelope to pay for your groceries if you're dining out you pull from the dining envelope and so forth and so therefore you're going to keep a track of your spending that way and once the money's gone in that envelope that's it no more borrowing. You can't borrow from another one. You can't go get more money out of the bank. You're going to have to learn how to budget your money for the entire month with whatever you allocate in these individual envelopes. I also like to recommend uh, putting your receipts in there. I also like to write on the back of them of mine and track them. So I'll put the date and then wh- where did I go? Like, if, let's say if I went to McDonald's, which I don't eat McDonald's, but let's just say <laughs> I'll put McDonald's. I might put January 1st, 2018 McDonald's and then I'll put $2.50. And so therefore, I'm keeping a running total of uh, where I spent my money. So therefore, I'll be able to have a clear picture on how I'm spending my money on a daily basis. Thanks so much to the McNeelys for joining us today. Well, you can also listen to His and Her Money podcast every week. Don't forget to check out the archive for His and Her Money wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And now it's time to know your numbers. That's right. If you're looking to start a new relationship or maybe you're hoping to build on the foundation of an existing relationship, you know it's important to feel like you are informed and being informed means you're also empowered. So when you up your financial IQ, you'll be way more comfortable handling and talking about money, which will also make you more attractive as a partner. That confidence, right? 
Yeah, and even if you don't have much money now, you should know what to do with it when you get it. So let's do the math and know your numbers. Whoop, whoop. All right. Around two-thirds of couples keep their finances either totally separate or partially separate. So two of those three people are right here now in this, <laughs> in this room. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, money habits are usually learned by age seven. And that's important because they do say as kids, when kids have bank accounts or they have to deal with finances in any way, they get an allowance, they learn how to budget, they learn where that money's going, they pay for things. That's really important to teach kids at an early age because it means that later on in life, usually they're a lot more successful as far as uh, and more comfortable with investing. And here's a hard one. 68% of couples say finances cause more tension with their partners than their sex lives. It's the biggest reason couples break up. Yep, that's first. And second is infidelity. I know, right? It's like, well, um, I think that like from all of our parents, we can agree that this is true. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? To keep it real, like financial issues can cause so much stress and tension in a relationship. I know, and it's the thing that everybody is so ashamed to talk about. People will talk about their sex lives for days, but talking about, like, your salary and your, like, debt and stuff like that is so—it's still so hidden. So don't let that be the thing that poisons your couple and uh, be really proactive about fixing it. Yes, my my dad's favorite line is, your mom keeps on spending up all the money. (laughs) He said that all the time growing up. He blamed her for everything. You know, my dad used to say that, too, and the truth is that, like, when I think about my parents spending half— habits I learned like bad spending habits from both of my me parents. too I was like my dad was also that same way it's like you always knew the day that my dad got paid because he would come home with like all sorts of presents and gifts and stuff like that and then you know like then it would get tough throughout the month but I was like yeah like you are both extravagant spenders also they didn't communicate about how they wanted to spend money and they both had expectations on how the other person would do it and it caused a lot of stress in our household and like my parents had different spending habits my mom she's a serious shopper she buys the same things over and over and over again and my dad will buy anything that's on sale but it's stuff that we don't need so yeah. he'll we have like six vacuum cleaners because <laughs> okay, they were too six va- and he likes to buy a lot of stuff on sale on like ebay and everything so he'll buy like used things that we don't need he has like 18 bikes it's like crazy yeah, you know, I think it's funny. It's like, oh, I hope my dad never listens to this. But it's also the thing where, like, whenever my mom spent money, he always said that it was frivolous. You know, it's like, why are you shopping and whatever? And it's like, well, that's not true. But whenever he spent money, he always thought that it was something that was, like, it was less frivolous, right? But he would buy, like, really expensive, like, uh, stereo systems. And yeah, my he dad. Would buy, and he would buy gadgets and all this stuff. And they were all for him. It was like... Like, none of us are going to enjoy this stuff as much as you do, but it definitely had the perception that it was more useful and utilitarian. And I was like, that is, like, this is why you need financial independence so that nobody will tell you that, like, going to Sephora is, like, a thing or, <laughs> or you know, like, things that you enjoy because you're a woman are, are problems. Yeah, and my thing is that if you're always making sure that the things that have to get taken care of get taken care of and that you're always saving for your retirement and making sure that you pay... Those mandatory things like your rent or your mortgage, that has to get paid. You don't want the lights to get cut off. Make sure you pay those bills. Just certain things that get taken care of. And then every now and then you can actually treat yourself a little. 
Exactly. Nothing like, wrong with that, but you don't want to have to hide things either. Like my mom was always hiding everything. And I think that's really stressful in a relationship. Yeah. And it gets harder the more people join your family. It's like one thing if you're like stressed out about money by yourself. It's another thing when it's like you and a couple, but then you start adding kids mm-hmm. and like other sorts of dependence. And it's like that stuff just snowballs, you know? And if you don't fix it for yourself, you're not going to be able to get a handle of it when you're responsible for even more people. Next week, we continue our Colorful Lives Profile series, highlighting women of color who are making big moves in business and their communities. This time around, we're going to Detroit to visit Amina Daniels, the owner and operator of Live Cycle Delight Fitness Studio. So make sure you check out statefarm.com slash live colorful. That's live colorful with two L's, L-I-V-E-C-O-L-O-R-F-U-L-L on Wednesday. That's February 21st and you can see the new video and we'll be coming back with more every other week through April. We've crammed in as much as we could, but now we're completely out of time. Check back in two weeks for the next episode. That's Wednesday the 21st. We're talking all about the importance of getting fit. We're going to help you get your heart, mind, body, and a wallet right with a financial workout. So we're going to talk about eating right and eating well on a budget and why a proper sleep schedule is your friend, not your enemy. We're also going to talk to Live Cycle Delight founder Amina Daniels and the first ever woman of color to win Hatch Detroit Small Business Incubator Contest. So make sure you check back next Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And don't forget, we want to make sure you are a part of the show. You can write us at ColorfulLivesPod at gmail.com. There's two L's in full. So that's Colorful with two L's, LivesPod at gmail.com. Or text or leave a voicemail at 646-580-0576. That's 646-580-0576. Or use the hashtag, hashtag LiveColorful with two L's at the end of Colorful. Colorful Lives, presented by State Farm, is a loudspeaker studio production. Colorful Lives is produced by Matt Raz, executive producer Chris Morrow. Our engineer and editor is Dwayne Crawford. They're so lovely. For more information on Colorful Lives and other loudspeaker shows, follow at LSN Podcast on Twitter or Loudspeakers Network on Facebook and Instagram. 